Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. With me today, I have Lafiro Gomez. He is a hemiplegic who became a full-time author after having suffered a major stroke. Now, the stroke was just not an ordinary stroke. This nearly killed him and it left him paralyzed, but he survived. And he survived only to nearly die again due to a large ulcer. And he survived again. But he had to have his right leg amputated. How many of us could survive that? How many of us could survive that and still turn our lives around to become successful, to become an author, and to be able to help so many other people who have suffered trauma in their lives. Some of you will relate to his story today. Some of you will applaud him and we all will appreciate him and for what he went through. I'm so excited and cannot wait to hear this story of hopelessness turned to hope. Have you ever felt like giving up? Quitting, throwing in the towel. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome, LaFiro. How are you today? Pretty good in yourself. That's good. Well, I read a little bit of what you had gone through in the opening part of this show. And this is a story that I know is going to touch my heart. And I so appreciate that you will share that with my audience. Because it's a story of never giving up. It's a story of tenacity, perseverance, and never stopping like even though all these things happen to you you just kept going so we are looking forward to that but before we hear that part of your story could you tell us a little bit about your life before you had the stroke uh sure um i was an only child i uh grew up on a um on a ranch it was a 30 acre ranch and so i uh didn't have any neighbors nearby that I could play, you know, with the neighborhood kids or stuff like that. So I uh, ended up growing up with my books and uh, my books that were, were my brothers and sisters. Um, I uh, grew up having a, a wonderful imagination, being able to read, uh, you know, having all kinds of uh, literature to read as well. Uh, you know, I wrote about... Uh, read about uh, ghost stories and mythologies and classic literature and uh it was a it was a great uh childhood 
even though I, I didn't have any children uh, to play with, so to speak. Of course, um, started uh, writing. Um, I started reading around the age of two and started writing around the age of six. And uh, the, uh, I started writing stories around the age of nine. I uh, submitted a couple of stories towards uh, to a local uh, te- television station. They uh, sent me a letter back, told me they were very interested in, in my stories and filming one of them. And uh, so they uh, they invited me in toward to the uh, TV station, and uh, we would you know did a tour and everything. It was very it was very interesting, very enlightening. And um, they they filmed the the story, and then also um, did an interview with me online on uh, on TV. They uh, broadcasted the the story, and they also um, got uh, other uh, children, local children, to submit their stories uh, and uh, f- their film their uh, their stories. What was what kind of story was it? It was called Myth, uh, Myth or Fact, and what it was, it was um, basically this uh, gentleman goes. Uh, in search of his uh, his mythical creature, and uh, he finds it, and uh, turns out that you know he may have, may have been um, uh, related to this mythical creature. It was called the Kojikata. It was you know very uh, ethnic sounding creature. And how old were you at this time? Nine. Oh my goodness! Okay, go ahead. I had that filmed, and I kept on writing. I um, I kind of eased up on writing because, of course, I had school and stuff, and then I went to college, and so. Um, but I, I I still recorded. I, I still wrote my you know stories on 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 the side, but mainly focusing on my. Uh, my own uh, after after college, I uh, came back home. I was uh, dealing with some health issues. The problem was that I uh, I was diabetic, as well as dealing with high blood pressure. Uh, so um, I had to kind of ease up on um, on uh, going to college. I had to come back down. I went to what it was. I went to a, a local a college called Williams College in Massachusetts, and uh, so I had to come back down from Massachusetts back down home here in San Antonio. After after college, I um, I still kept writing. I would go to creative writing classes. Would go to writing workshops, and. Uh, Kind of uh, get get better at writing through there, and I'm sorry I'm not uh, exactly very clear. Um, I'm not very eloquent in my writing, my speech right now. I'm much better at uh, at writing than I am at speech right now because of the the stroke. Absolutely, I understand, and I think you're doing an awesome job. I really appreciate you sharing this. So continue. 
Okay. So I went, uh, I started working at the, for the IRS. Now uh, I was, uh, continuing, uh, writing, uh, on the side as, after, uh, after I would go to, uh, after work, uh, I got married, um, and, uh, uh, moved to Austin and got a new, a, a different, uh, position working there at the IRS um, in Austin. I found a, uh, a uh, I ended up getting divert, divorced, bought a house, and uh, I took on, took on a, a friend uh, as a housemate. And that's kind of like where the story of my stroke began. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. So in other words, you were living a fulfilled, busy life, full-time job, a writer. There was maybe some health issues, but you certainly never expected to go through what you did go through. Now tell us, before we share that part of the story, what were you always the type of person who was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, tenacious, never giving up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I always did well in school. I had my own house, a good career. I had a, I bought my own house. It was a, a foreclosed house, but I ended up working on it, uh, working on it, bringing it up to, to, to speed and, um, you know, looking, making it look and smell good. <laughs> so um, I, I always... Uh, worked hard at everything that I tried to do, you know, try my best to do for everything. Uh, so I, I guess you could say, yes, I, I was that tenacious type. So then what happened? It was September 29th, 2014. I uh, had just gone to bed. It was at 11 o'clock at night. And I started to feel kind of odd. I, I thought I, I, I was going to go vomit or something. And so I was going to try to get out of bed. And I tried to stand. And I just crumpled to the floor. And I was wondering, what's going on? You know, what's Why am I feeling this way? I tried to stand and I couldn't. And then, um, I figured something's wrong. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to need some help with this. So I tried calling out to my friend Ben, and uh, Ben Davis is his name. I, I tried calling his name several times, but his name would never come out. It would, you know, the best I could come out with, with was uh, a friend, you know, instead of his name, Ben. Uh-huh. And so I uh, tried to go to the, to the door, you know, open up the door. And uh, I, I, like I said, I couldn't stand. My whole left side was just wasn't working at all. And uh, I was uh, falling down, face down, on the carpet. And I knew then that, you know, if if I don't start getting up soon, I'm going to end up suffocating on the on the carpet. My uh, phone had fallen to the side. So I didn't even have my phone to be able to call, make a call or anything. He was downstairs watching the movie. And uh, luckily, uh, he finished watching it, whatever he was watching. He 
him upstairs and I uh, mustered all the strength that I could and actually said his name, Ben. And oh, wow. Thankfully, he heard me and he opened the door and he saw me and he, he must have known that something was wrong because he called uh, 911. Um, the EMTs came in, put me onto the stretcher, um, brought me down the, from, the first, from the second floor and into the uh, ambulance. And once I was in the ambulance, I was uh, taken to the ER room, and that was it. That's all I remembered after that. I was up mm. for uh, two weeks. You were in a coma for two weeks? It, it was kind of like a... Um, it was kind of weird because I, I felt like I uh, was in a... Like almost like in a different alternate universe or something. You know, okay. I, I, you know, I, I could sense what was going on, but it was different other than than what I could, could what it actually uh-huh. was. So um, two weeks after that, I uh, woke up, and uh, I remember the first thing. Um, my uh, former boss was in the room talking to my dad, and uh, they were talking to each other and. I, I wasn't understanding what they were saying, but um, to me, I uh, I took it as they were making a truce between vampires and werewolves, and I was uh, trying to tell my dad, "No, dad, don't do it. You know, don't uh, don't make it this truce with vampires and werewolves." And so, but uh, that's you know, this is. The way your mind plays with things. Wow! When uh, you're in a stroke, um, it uh, it doesn't quite hear things right, and you can't really speak things right either. You can just uh, speak gibberish, and that's that's pretty much where I was. I was just speaking gibberish, so you know they were just ignoring me because they knew that. They weren't going to be able to understand me anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How long did that period last? Probably a week or two. Okay. Yeah, because it it no, I was I was in that that sort of trance, waking up off and on from the from the stroke, and uh, they uh, they t- sent me over to a rehab center called Warm Springs in San Antonio and um, they did a really good job of, of trying to get me back into uh, walking to speaking right and, um, and and I apologize for my speech it's uh, it's not quite as uh, as good as I usually is but um, anyway um, they were working on that and we're working on my speech and it was it was starting to get to the point that I was really getting frustrated because they would uh they would uh bring my food and they would give me a spoonful of food. They would say, Okay, open your mouth, chew, okay. Oh, now open your mouth again, say say ah and they would do that for each and every single bite. And it was you know 
it was really annoying after a no while. No kidding. Oh, wow. But uh, my my dad was finally like, you know what? Let me go ahead and take care of this because um, he'll respond better to me. And what he would do is he would give me food. He would give me a spoonful of food, and then he would uh, tell me different uh, questions on trivia. And, you know. Hmm, to stimulate you. Yeah. And also, um, he knew that uh, once I would... Uh, open my mouth and you know would 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 respond you know whatever question he asked you know like if you know it's uh if i answered you know oh it's a uh, uh jimmy hendrix or it's led zeppelin or you know because we we liked uh doing trivia on music and, and new movies and so he knew that if i did that then that i was um I was done eating my food. So, in other words, you had to learn patience. Yeah. And you had to, which I guess would probably be one of the most difficult. What were some of the other things, the frustrations that you had to deal with and how you how you actually got through that? I guess the biggest frustration was having to ask for help. Because That's huge. Uh, yeah, I, I I was used to br- taking care of myself. Like I said, I had my own car, my own house. I had a good job. You know, I could do you know anything that I wanted to do on my own. And now having to ask for help for everything, you know, whether it means uh, having to eat, fo- you know, help with eating food, or having to uh, having help with the going to the restroom or or anything really and, and you know and i think a lot of people don't realize you know when you're helping a, a special need person they may be trying to reach for something and the that something is out of their reach and uh, uh you may think that oh it's in within reach because uh, i can uh-huh. reach it uh-huh. But it's not really in the reach of that special needs person. So now this was still the first stroke, though, correct? Yes. Then you had, you survived that, and you had the second stroke. How long, well, How? go ahead. I, actually, I had a big stroke and several mini strokes after that. Okay. Uh, but um, I, I didn't have another Another stroke after that. What happened was, I uh, I had a uh, I went home because the insurance didn't want to pay for it anymore, um, and um, I went into uh, nursing homes, and my parents were like, "No, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna keep in this nursing home. Just, we're gonna just gonna take care of you at home." So my parents were taking care of me. But, uh, and I was doing fine. I was doing great. You know, I was, I, I had a, uh, electrical wheelchair. I was able to get in that out of it and, um, and, you know, go to the table and eat and stuff. And I, uh, I ended up developing an ulcer and it was an ulcer with, uh, gangrene. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. 
so I had to go to the hospital again because of that. And uh, I, um, again, went to, I guess, kind of like an induced uh, coma um, because of uh, uh, morphine, heavily induced. Once again, you know, I uh, could, I had a sense of everything all around me, but I didn't really, wasn't exactly um, aware. Yes, yes. Again, you survived. And this is, did you at that point have to have your leg amputated when you were in the hospital with the ulcer or was that another? It was a little bit later than that. Um, what happened was they uh, they had at first had told my parents, we're not sure he's going to make it again. You know, we'll just wait and see how, how he turns out and go from there. Um, but I survived went home and um no no i was in the hospital uh, a uh, infection on my right heel and the i remember the doctor came in i was with my parents in the in the hospital the doctor came in he said you know i was in some bad news you know uh you have an infection on your right heel and it seems like we're gonna have to amputate the the right leg up to the knee and I said uh, I said uh, is that something you want to go with and I said mom you got good you got good I mean nothing nothing to it I mean if I'm going to survive then you need to be able to do it and um, I guess he was expecting expecting me to be upset or something but I figured well I mean I'm going to survive I got to be there for my parents from my family so you know if they have to amputate then oh well um i'll I'll, I'll have them do it and so they went in i'm amputated and this is my 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 good leg too oh wow we stand on and so uh they had to go in and amputate it so right now are you able to get around or is uh you have a wheelchair. Can you use a cane? I have uh, a crutches. Wheel- okay. Uh, I have a wheelchair, but uh, I'm uh, bed bound. Because, oh, okay. Yeah, because I can't. I don't have a leg to stand on, uh, literally. Okay. Well, you got a sense of humor. That's amazing. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break, and then I'm going to ask you what advice you can give to people who have gone through trauma, I mean extreme trauma, and physical trauma in particular, and how you survived and what you would suggest or give them tips on how they too can keep a positive attitude. So we'll be right back after this short message. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, 
Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Well, that was quite the story. And as I mentioned before the break, I'm sure that there are people who have gone through a lot and they will be able to relate. But one of the questions I have for you is, did you throw a lot of pity parties for yourself or did you just look to the try to look to the bright side or try like you said that you have to stay alive for the sake of your parents like where was your attitude in all of this a little bit of both okay uh, you know of course i would just like anyone else i would throw myself my you know pity parties then i would you know once once i um got past past all that i started thinking well you know what I've got to be there for my pa- parents. I've got to be there for my family. You know, I, um, I, uh, I, I can't just be here stuck on myself, uh, thinking that you know the world around revolves around me. So I've got to keep on going, keep going forward, and uh, do do better. Uh, than to where I was before. So did you, what kind of helps did you have to do that? What did you, besides talking to yourself, like did you have therapy or what can someone do who finds themselves in that position? Do you have any tips for them? If you have family, if you have friends, talk to them. Um, Certainly be open to being able to talk to them, letting them know how you feel. Um, that, that's what I did. You know, I had my family would, that I could talk to and depend on for going through stuff like this. Um, they would, uh, you know, get me through through all, this, all of this. So, you know, definitely talk to them. And then if you don't have anyone... Talk to yourself. You know, you have to talk to yourself about good you know, advice. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you have to talk to yourself to, you know, make new yourself go to this, you know, go and have your little pity party. But once it once you're done, then say, oh, okay, all right, and now now I'm gonna do better. Now I'm gonna do better than I did before because. This is the only way I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to get up and do stuff is by actually doing something. So you were your your own best friend, basically. Pretty much. And did did you continue to write, or did you at this point just pick up writing again? I had stopped writing for a while just because um, I I was. Uh, really depressed I was just sleeping all day and then sleeping all night and so um, it, it was just a, a repeating cycle of me um, not doing anything and uh, finally it was my family came and told me you know well why don't you start writing you know you 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 used to love writing so much. Why don't you pick up writing again? 
I said, well, it's kind of, no, it's kind of difficult typing with one hand, you know, and, um, but I ended up finding a way to be able to type by, uh, writing using Microsoft Word on my phone and one thumb. And so that's how I ended up, uh, writing my, uh, three, my three novels. Well, that yeah. takes a that takes a lot of stamina to be able to do that with at that pace and be able to finish two novels. So, tell us a little bit about your novels. And for, and also before that, did you ever write your story? You mean like an autobiographical? Yes, or memoir. Uh, no, no, I never did that. Um, I'm not really much of a nonfiction person. Okay. Okay. So tell so, us about your books. First book is Parachute Island, and it's about this girl Megan. She's a 14-year-old girl, and uh, she finds herself in a parachute uh, drifting down towards this island. And uh, she arrives on the, the island, and it's populated by nothing by by children. It's nothing but children living on this island. And she finds out that um, uh, all the children have died and are living in the afterlife on this island um, because they uh, they are uh, don't have anyone else uh, care for them while they're in the in the afterlife. So they're waiting in, in the, on this island until someone else comes dies and can uh, care for them in the afterlife. There is uh, one adult on the island, his name is David, and he's kind of like caretaker of the, of the, of the children. And uh, she uh, she meets, uh, and she makes a cute couple of friends. One of them is uh, this wonderful little guy called uh, Ham. You know, he's a 10-year-old uh, rotund little boy and he's very uh very playful and energetic um he comes uh, she comes across some other uh other um children she makes friends with and um the the island grant a one wish for a child uh every day and so they um, they can wish for just about anything, you know. They can wish for uh, they want to fly uh, uh, airplanes. They can play airplanes. If they want to have uh, play with puppies, they can play with puppies. You know, they they can wish for just about anything. And um, Megan has a secret wish that something that no one has ever wished for before. And that's where I'll kind of leave it, leave it from there because there's going to be a major twist. Okay. On and, it. So. And what about the second one? The second one is called the uh, the Valiants, and it's about uh, these four friends, college friends. They uh, live in a you know go to school in this New England college. They had a, another friend who seemingly. Uh, uh, killed himself, um, committed suicide, 
and um, he uh, he left him a box with a letter telling him not to open it up until one year later. And um, the year goes up, and they're ready to open up the box. And that's kind of like where I'll leave from there because there's a major plot twist as well. And your next book? Um, I just finished actually publishing it. It's called The Quiet. Um, it's about uh, this uh, family who lives on the ranch uh, with the, the crew, with their ranch crew. And uh, something's happened to the entire world where people are, are disappearing. Uh, nothing, ma- machines just stop working. Nothing works. Um, and so they're experiencing all kinds of weird, uh, weird goings on while they're on the ranch. It's a sci-fi horror kind of novel. Oh, okay. Well, those who are looking for those that kind of book, that's something to definitely check into as well as your other books. If So would they be sci-fi fiction? Is that the category? Uh, the first two are fantasy. Okay. The third one is sci-fi horror. Okay. Okay. Got you. Well, you are an inspiration. The very fact that you are still writing and enjoy, well, enjoying life to its fullest that you can do right now with a positive attitude, that is to be applauded. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you sharing your story. I hope that this is an encouragement for our listeners. Is there anything else that you would like to say in closing, just about anything about your books or how to reach you or just an encouraging word? Yeah, uh, definitely never give up hope. You know, there's always a, a silver lining to every dark cloud. Um, just got to look for it and find it. Um, but, um, yeah, definitely uh, never give up hope. What I pick up from you is that you have to push yourself a lot. And, you know, whether it is for physical or mental emotional and I think that in itself is a message to never give up no matter how hard you have to push yourself there's going to be a reward and that's what I'm hearing you say would you say that that sums it up yeah I would say so okay thank you so much for being on never ever give up hope and we look forward to your next book bye-bye for now bye Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.